Welcome back to the Vigilante Book Club. If you're just joining us for the first time, you might want to jump back to the first episode to truly appreciate the extended universe of inside jokes and nicknames we've created. The Vigilante regularly doles out offensive material, like curse words, violence, and every conceivable kind of discriminatory hate. We swear too, but mostly we're just trying to sound cool. I like this is entirely in your performance, and I really love it that he's gone from like "What's that, Mister?" to like "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What are you talking about?" <laughs> what I meant was, are you feeling ready to get back to work? Work <laughs> in the mines? Yeah. Ooh, there's cows down there. Careful. How are you two doing? How is uh, uh, the great Dolly and Squatch Notch? I'm doing all right. Oh, no, my voice. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm doing all right. <laughs> it's all gone terribly wrong. Uh, I, for the first time in my life, played a tabletop role-playing game um, with other people, but I did it online, uh, and I'd never done that before. And it was an amazing experience. Did you like it? He just said it was an amazing experience. But did you like it? <laughs> yeah, I, you know what? I just, I've been working so much and uh, I kind of thought, oh my God, I, I have to find some sort of recreational activity to, 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 to glom onto because I, I wasn't doing anything recreational anymore. I wasn't really watching TV. Do you two have hobbies that are, that are unrelated to your arts life? No, that, that's actually a problem for me. I, I, it's something I'm really identifying as problematic. Yeah, I find it... Uh... Difficult, and I've been trying to trying to just find things where I was like, I took a curling class and then got busy with theater and couldn't continue with that when that class ended. But it was so nice to have normal people as friends, not artistic, <laughs> not <people> wizards, who... <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, muggles as friends. Um, this is interesting. Okay, so I wondered about this because I always wondered if I was uh, isolated in this feeling of. Of, of, of feeling like I don't have hobbies and I don't know what that relationship to hobbies are and I feel consumed and blinded by this what we do sort of just permeating into every element of my life and I, I enjoy what we do so much that it's okay but I still feel like I'm like but I'm I don't have any things that are I, I that I do that I'm like but that's just for me and it will never be something that I'll apply to work so what do you two think of we take on a hobbies challenge. Okay. Okay. And we like every month are going to try a new thing. Well, I, I love this idea. Like th this really, I have to say, this really does feed into, and I think I might have messaged, uh, sorry, I might have mentioned this in, in the previous episode is that when depression and anxiety really overwhelms me and I let it overwhelm me for a long period of time, eventually... I'll desperately start reaching for some sort of escape. Work, while maybe in the past has been a certain kind of escape because we can sort of get lost in, say, the creation of something, right now is really not accessible because of the pandemic. I don't really know. <laughs> there's nowhere to do this. There's, there's, we can't do theater right now. So I'm really wanting of something outside of it, something that's just for fun and nothing else. Yeah, it's having something that you don't have to go is like, is this quantifiable? Like, is this yeah. worth something? Can I can I make this something of uh, you know versus just being like that was fun? I enjoyed that. That was for me. Moving on. 
It's over yeah. now. Yeah. So understanding that we're still in a pandemic and there are going to be things that are going to be a little limited to us. What's Let's brainstorm right now. What's the December hobby? I don't think we all have to do the same thing. Um, it might be more interesting if we don't do all the same thing. But what's something that you're like, that's a hobby thing that I've thought about, but I've never really engaged with it. I'm going to do that in December. Yeah, my instinct is something um, like go snowshoeing with my partner. I'm going to say snowshoeing. I've never done that. It's it's like walking. <laughs> <laughs> what, ex- what an exciting hobby you've incorporated into your first month. I'm going to... It's something that I've been sort of... I was introduced by my partner, and I was like, eh, maybe. And I'm going to say... Uh, no, I'm going to fucking do it. Um, I'm going to go kayaking. Ooh. Oh. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go kayaking at least two if not three times this month of december okay i'm excited for you that that's so great that's an option for you just speaking from an albertan perspective no doubt yeah farron what's something you're gonna do for a hobby for this first month how about baking yeah sure i'm gonna bake vegan christmasy vegan treats make vegan treats uh and if that doesn't work out for you you could always try like glass blowing (laughs) (laughs) maybe i can incorporate the two scrapbooking what is scrapbooking oh nothing (laughs) (laughs) it's taking photos of a time and and posting them in a it's taking your your well done photos and just tearing them apart and shoving them over a chatelaine cover baking yeah i'm gonna take it seriously as a hobby it's right and it's this is for me this is this is for us this is like we don't have to accomplish anything. It's to feel good. It's fun. Oh, brilliant. Okay, I'm excited. I, uh, I think this is a fun thing. I think this is a healthy thing for the three of us to uh, to challenge each other. Uh, and uh, brainstorming moving forward, really cool things that we can incorporate in our lives every month that, um, that we don't normally do. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm stoked. Yeah, great. And, we'll, uh, and hey, if you're listening, join us. Uh, Take on the, uh, the the hobby challenge with us as we go through this, and um, you can start this month, or maybe start in the new year as a make that uh, 2021 year of hobbies, year of new experiences with us. And every month, try something new and let us know what your what hobbies you're going to take on as we share with you uh, our expansive new worlds. I'm going to kayak. Drew's going to snowshoe. Farron's going to bake. Have fun, motherfuckers. This episode of the Vigilante Book Club is brought to you by Bridges, or as I like to call them, City Staples, and Snow, Nature's Throwing Stars. Do you guys manscape? Yes, very much. Very much? I definitely grew up in a culture where where the, the hair on your head was uh, ornamental and, 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 and that there was a great deal of pressure to make it look great. Uh, I also like being clean shaven on my mm-hmm. face because I think it's cleaner. And in terms of uh, my body hair, I discovered at some point that it I like my body more when it's not hairy. I trim very closely on the abdominal section. Oh. I leave more hair in the chest section, but I keep it short. I guess I guess if this is meant to be insightful, I'm, a, I'm particularly mindful about nipple hair. Oh. Um, 
I get hair, I don't know if you guys get this, in the back of my neck, like below yeah. where my hair stops, there's like an inch, and then suddenly there's like where back hair would begin. And I don't have a lot of back hair in the middle, but I get this like tuft, <laughs> this little hobbity tuft at the top of my spinal cord. I get rid of that. Uh, lower back hair, I get rid of that. Your tail? Um, I call it my tail. Yeah, I get rid of my tail. Uh, but now that happened because somebody made fun of it. I didn't know it was there. Uh, and I was in a guy's dressing room and, and somebody teased me. So uh, it was like gone. And uh, yeah, and I keep my uh, my system downstairs pretty clean. Is it like Brazilian? Uh, not not quite. Not quite. It'd be like a notch up from that. And and that that's just because I think it it feels cleaner to me. Yeah, I, I also am pretty active in some ways. I mean, I have chest hair, like I have quite a an amount of chest hair so i try to keep it all roughly the same length but i don't get rid of i let it be what it is but if i'm going to like a beach or when we could travel uh louise and i would be going to like on a vacation to mexico or something i would trim my shoulders right down and like my both my shoulder blades have like patches of annoying ass hair and same as farron that weird little like top of your vertebrae just a little fuzz, mm -hmm. but that's it. I don't do my, do like legs or anything of that nature. I just keep it all tidy, but I will always shave my neck because I think neck hair is gross. I'm, I'm sitting here jealous of both your chest hair. Oh, <laughs> I have, I have, I have very little to any chest hair. Um, oh. it's some, but it's, I, I wish I didn't really, but my, I'm fortunate because my partner really likes my chest hair. And if I trim it too short, she's like, aw. That's been really nice to go like, oh, I, it, this is something that, that she enjoys, but I've, I've never really felt all that confident about it. I feel like there's different kinds of chest hair. Like mine's very unexciting. You know, when you see like a, like a Burt Reynolds, it, it, it's like, it's like curling and thick. Like mine's very like fine. And I, I, I just feel like it. Wispy. Wispy. Like it, it just, it just goes down. You know what I mean? Like I, it doesn't like curl and create sort of this like masculine sort of thick rug thing it's just sort of like i don't know it's like you ever considered like curling your chest hair dead vines or something i uh, uh if i had enough of it i'd consider it but i guess i guess the answer to your question is no yeah i always wanted to it's i'm so yeah you can actually chart on my body where my father's side and my mother's side start and end it's right at the belt line <laughs> i am in i am a, a very a mother's side irish up from the waist up so no not a lot of upper body hair no back hair little patchy little things on my chest but not much and you know the, the grays and the hair and then not losing the hair so there's mom's side and then i'm just wearing pants just pants of hair down from the waist down. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's yeah. You, th it's pretty thick, and uh, I, I manscape uh, the uh, the old groin so that I can find my penis. <laughs> it, it, it can Very get practical. Yeah, it can get to uh, like digging in there and finding the little fella. Um, <laughs> if I let that that stuff go too far. And uh, so, I, and I like the feeling of keeping the old, uh, the old ball sack uh, smooth and smooth and open. And it feels cleaner. Mm -hmm. It for sure feels cleaner because, like, yeah, it's you know you're peeing and stuff. And if your yeah. pubes are really long, they kind of like gather or pick up that. So it, it feels much nicer and cleaner. But certainly, also being like, it doesn't look like a little turtle hiding in his shell. 
<laughs> yeah, it's yeah, it's an image to avoid for sure. <laughs> Is that a turtle? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Coax him out of his shell. <laughs> um, so this also brings me to a question uh, that uh, I was kind of coming around to, which Drew mentioned last episode, which we didn't get into, which is dicks and right. guys' relationship to dick size. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. So no one would like to talk about their penises. Still. No, All you right. know what? I sincerely, I sincerely, Drew, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump in without you getting a chance to, to chat there. Did, did you want to jump in? <laughs> sure. Uh, I, I, I don't really know what the question is, though. Uh, I was picking up from what you introduced from last episode, which we just kind of left uh, um, hanging there, um, which was the conversation around the male. Um, insecurity and relationship to needing to feel like saying we I got a big dick or you know like it's a it's a real point of like conversation or pride or fear I remember being horrified around this subject as an adolescent and a young man of just being like I was like I think I have an okay penis but just being like ready for anybody any moment to be like your dick sucks and you know like or it's not big enough or whatever and just being ready for the like it all to turn around on me and realize i have a crap dick (laughs) so insecure around it just being like i don't know i mean i like it but like apparently this is there's a there's a you know there's literally a marker you have to hit there's a perceived marker yeah i think all the games of you know show us your thumb to your pinky how how far is that and let's look at your feet and all this shit and I don't know where that comes from. If it comes from virility and ability to please a woman and all of those things that are hyper-masculine. It's a fragile organ that's on the outside of our bodies, too. So its strength may be a sign of something for us. What I've never understood is the um, the virility of like, oh yeah, that guy's got some balls. Like we <laughs> yeah, even say that totally. on on like, you know... Oh man, the balls on that guy to bring up that thing in this meeting or whatever the fuck. It it seems so like bizarre to me. Imagine if it had turned the other way though. If you were in a meeting and someone was like, "I disagree," and you leaned over and you're like, "The dick on this guy." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I... Well, and people talk about big dick energy. Yeah. Like that guy's got some big dick energy, and I guess it's confidence. I think you make a really good point about the ball metaphor i I, i'm actually really comforted to hear that i've never had this conversation with anybody before so this is really comforting to me i'll weigh in about my thoughts on my penis later but i as far as like balls are concerned i was like are are mine inactive like my balls not doing enough they're not big enough (laughs) because when there's that like that's such a guy thing right in fact i men even say to women and women say to women sometimes like grow a set or you know and I'm like, well, what what are what is everybody's balls doing? Mine do nothing. They hang there. I'd say like like ninety percent of the time they, they hang there in an unattractive way. Even they're they're not even they're they're not even fun to look at. Those things. I don't know what to do with them. They they, they are certainly not endowing me with uh, confidence. Um, and and I've never understood the idea of like ball size or or ball presence as being a a, a metaphor for. Um, 
competence or or moxie or bravery. I don't I don't understand that. My favorite ball analogy is is that it's come into fashion to um to like barter it away. If you really want something, you're like fuck. I give my left nut for that. <laughs> I, I, that's for me. That's like that's the most useful. I think especially that I'm already a father. You know, like I've 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 used it. Like I you know biologically was intended to use it. Now I just feel like it's a bartering chip. I find it really funny that it's so specific. I'd give away, like, I think the comedy of that is especially, like, which one you would give out. That's the yeah. good one. Oh, shit, he'd give his left ball. Yeah, not the right one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about the right? Mm, that's mine. I keep the right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the one that precious. works best. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The left one's already, like, a dead tooth down there. It's just the right one still working. <laughs> I remember, I remember even in high school um, that we'd found out that a one of the b- boys had uh, one testicle, and something of a horrifying accident I think happened to him in athletics at some point, football or something, and it got stepped on quite badly and popped, ruptured. Ooh. Yeah. Um, oh, God, that, you get phantom pains when you talk about shit like that. I, yeah, and oh, um, but I. And I think it's horrifying in hindsight. And I think I even for sure like piled on in the era of bullying. Um, he was referred to half a man. Oh. He was, it was called half a man because we knew he only had one ball, which is just like, wh- why? You know, yeah, it's just crazy. Uh, and, and we do have this. But maybe, maybe what you just did actually is the core of this. Um, your squeamishness and fear when I described your balls getting hurt, what is the reaction to fear and vulnerability is to overcompensate. Right. To 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 be like, it's I'm I'm not vulnerable. So if I'm like, hey guys, imagine me twisting one of your balls until it disconnected. Oh my god. Yeah, okay, so now you don't want to feel like that. So what are you gonna be do? Well, they're made of fucking steel, bruh. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna hang <laughs> yeah. them off the back of your truck. That's not what I would do, but I understand what you mean. So I think maybe what we're actually like <laughs> landing on is that our testicles and our penis are so vulnerable. Like unlike women, ours are just like hanging out and anything at any point could just run up and pop it, rupture it, or knock it off. It, it is also interesting to me that we say like, don't be a pussy. Yeah. When it's like, that's the strongest fucking organ in the history of organs. It goes through a lot. We should be like, don't be a testicle. I agree, because it's the testicle that does nothing and is, you know, actually quite fragile. I've been flicked in the nut, like just gently flicked in the nut by, you know, a friend in university. And like, I was like... I had pain up and under my rib cage for like 20 minutes. Yeah. Like I need a, I need a, I need a minute, but like, you know, fucking childbirth. Like look, look at the labs on her. I don't know. We, we need some sort of like term to like <laughs> re- replace, you Did know, you, were, nuts. You, were you trying to do labia? What would, what yeah. You? I guess I could have said labs. It's weird now, but in 200 years, it'll be, you know, a common colloquial term. I think that we should as a trio, uh, move forward with um uh like acknowledging the truth that the fact is is that our our dick and balls are are like fabergé eggs hanging in a thunderstorm 
And we've been, as, as a masculine culture, working very hard to deny this truth. <laughs> um, but that what, what it really is, is, yeah, like a, the vagina is, is, uh, is a real warrior uh, of, our, of our world. So, yeah, like, what do we got? Look at the ovaries on that one. Or that takes yeah. a, that takes wow. a, yeah. that, takes that a, took some badge. Yeah. Oh, geez, the vulva on this one. Would you grow a vag? Grow a vag. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be Grow a, a vag and tell the truth. Don't be a ball sack. So in closing, the vagina is mighty, um, and we all have huge hammers. Case closed. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said yours was hiding on you like a little turtle. No, no, no. I said the hair could get so long. <laughs> it's not the image you conjured when you said you had to look for it. I've ruined myself. <laughs> I hate having to look for my penis. Yeah. Hang on. Get the comb to find my cock. Last week on The Vigilante, Joe Madden killed a man, stole his gun, caught up with some old friends on the telephone, and set his sights on a new target how to buy bullets. And now. Chapter 12, baby. Saturday night in New York City. Somewhere behind closed apartment doors and windows, the people of the city are making love, quarreling, quietly reading Chaucer or Screw magazine, <laughs> eating gourmet meals, or getting plastered on cheap red wine. What do you think Screw magazine is? Screw magazine. Obviously some sort of hardware magazine. Oh, you went a very <laughs> literal route. <laughs> ah, I got the Phillips head this month. Ooh. Ooh, a fold-out. An expose. <laughs> I read it for the articles. The bright lights of downtown lure others into the dim lights of places where there is dancing, hand-holding, and whispers. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I got tired of reading Screw magazines without I go downtown and hold me some hand and whispers of promises which only will be partially fulfilled during the hours ahead. I promise I will go down on you tonight. <laughs> Maybe not. So VJ's idea of a hot night out on downtown New York is you go to a like a really uh, dimly lit place. You dance and hold someone's hand, and then you whisper in their ear something that you probably will half do. Ladies and gentlemen, the city that never sleeps. <laughs> I love this song. Ooh, I love your hand. I might might be able to get it up. <laughs> See you never. Uh, I love New York. I love that you would promise that you might be able to get it up. I don't want to say too much, but there may be an erection you're coming your way. Oh, bang, 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 bang. I got excited. I got excited. Oh, it hurts. Oh, God. In other dimly lit places to the north and south and east and west. <laughs> Just say everywhere. I know the whole compass. <laughs> In other dimly lit places to the north and south and east and west, there is the smell of marijuana in the air, the small sound of a dirty needle piercing arm skin. And the sound of a dirty needle. How does that sound versus just the super crunch? <laughs> 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 Fucking gross. 
<laughs> just the rust falling off the edge of it as it goes through your arm. Crunch. <laughs> the small sound of a dirty needle piercing arm skin. The tastelessness of a yellow or red or green capsule being swallowed. And in the great concrete canyons which separate all of these places, there is violence or the threat of violence or violence about to happen. Innocent people, good people, will die tonight. But so will some of those who are not innocent, especially on the Lower East Side. The bartender looked up casually as Madden sat down, then took another look in the sick red and yellow lighting of the neon which burned out the name of a popular beer over the broken clock on the wall behind him. Madden didn't notice the name of the beer. He was, however, interested in the second look the bartender gave him. The expression on the man's face was the right one. It showed unease, readiness, as if he thought Madden might be trouble, and that was exactly the way Madden wanted to appear. Tonight, in this lower 10th Avenue bar, he wanted precisely to look like nobody to mess around with. The taut expression on his face and the steel-like look in his eyes helped, but he knew that the scar was the clincher, and so it had been in the two previous bars he'd visited tonight. Uh, help you, mister? the bartender asked. Madden didn't fail to notice that the man's right hand was out of sight under the bar. Maybe, he said. Scotch and a favor. The bartender, a heavy man whose beefy face looked like it might have served as a punching bag in John L. Sullivan's training camp, took his eyes off Madden only long enough to pour the scotch. Madden took the opportunity to look around the place. The 9.30 crowd amounted to four other customers. One small man at the other end of the bar, a couple in their fifties in a booth, and in another, at the far end of the room, concentrating in the candlelight on something on the table in front of him, a thin, rat-faced man. Scotch, said the bartender. He set the drink before Madden then moved away, but his eyes were still on the new customer. There was something else, Madden said. Uh, what, what would that be? Madden's lips curled. For twenty bucks, I'd like it kept out of the public domain. The bartender moved in closer. Twenty bucks? What's worth twenty bucks? Not scotch. Not when it's served in a dirty glass, Madden said. The barkeep laughed nervously, not sure how to take Madden. <laughs> it's pretty good. I liked your other one, too. Out of the public domain. Real uptown talk. Madden placed the crisp new 20 on the bar. He had paid out a similar bill at the last place. Information was an expensive commodity in the jungle. I was told, Joey Marbles comes in here sometimes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the fuck is Joey Marbles? We just walked into an entirely different book. Oh, also, I can't do this. I can't do this to myself. But can you guys call me Joey Marbles from now on? <laughs> oh yep. man. So all of us. Okay, that's a real jump. Like, there's been no mention of Joey Marbles before. He just was bullet shopping, and now he's like chasing crooks by name. He's chasing, like, Dick Tracy crooks, though. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen Hammerhead or <laughs> Mutton Face? <laughs> I'm looking for mumbles here. 
I was told Joey Marbles comes in here sometimes. <clears throat> Who? I have to repeat myself, and you get half of twenty. Uh, what you want with Joey? Joey will tell you later if he wants you to know. You earn your twenty by getting him here quick like a bunny. You a friend of Joey's? I never laid eyes on him. I want to. Do you get my twenty or do you keep asking stupid questions? The barkeep's face flushed hot, then cold, then hot again. Oof, Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> Quite a journey. He's well, not well. He is having a stroke. He needs to go to a hospital. <laughs> yeah, immediately. <laughs> the barkeep's face flushed hot, then cold, then hot again. Nasty words were welling up in his throat, and Madden considered it a tribute to his acting ability and his scarred face that the nastiness stayed welled up. Okay, Madden said. But when I do find Joey, I'll tell him how cooperative you were. He reached for the bill. Wait. Okay. <laughs> Let me uh, check with somebody first, okay? He didn't wait for an answer, but moved down to the opposite end of the bar and out the gate there, straight into the booth area and to the rat-faced man. They were still whispering, both of them studiously avoiding looking back at the bar when Madden placed his drink on the table. The bartender jumped as if he'd been shot. The rat face betrayed no emotion at all. Simply eyes watching eyes. Madden's eyes dropped to the table. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Madden's eyes dropped to the table. He smiled. The thing the rodent had been studying so intensely was a backgammon board, open and pieces arranged in mid-play. It's in vogue, Ratface said. His voice sounded like a rough grade of sandpaper slowly pushed along a blackboard. Madden shoved past the bartender and sat down. He looked up at the beefy face. Mr. Marbles and I would prefer to be alone. <laughs> this is a different book. What is Mr. Marbles? Who is Mr. Marbles? Ratface, like, apparently. They call me they call me Joey Ratface Marbles. <laughs> oh, so your real last name is just Marbles? He's like, yeah, not a nickname. Nickname's Ratface. Real name Marbles. You can call me Nachos. <laughs> but you can call me Nachos. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Marbles and I would prefer to be alone. The bartender looked to Ratface for instructions. Ratface nodded only once. It's okay, Mike. I'll talk to the gentleman. When Mike was once more behind the bar, the rodent nodded again and moved some of the backgammon pieces. He shook his head, frowning, then pulled his beady eyes to Madden's. Who says I'm this marbles guy? Madden's stare was relaxed but unblinking. Let's say you're not Joey Marbles. I don't care who the hell you are. I just want something that you might be able to supply. Fifty rounds of a thirty-eight ammo to grace the insides of a chief's special. That's a cop's gun, Ratface observed. His eyes stayed where they were, his tone disinterested. Maybe it belonged to a cop once. Right now it's mine and empty. Fifty rounds, Joey. Tonight. The eyes dropped. More pieces of the game shifted. Another frown. I didn't say I was Joey, and I don't know about getting ammo. What makes you think I might? 
Madden's voice now was tight. Look, pal, I got the word passed to me that you were a man to see. I got a need, see? A real need. (laughs) I got this little job assigned to me, but I need some things to complete it. If you don't supply me, and I find out you could have... Madden grinned. It was not a nice grin. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, don't grin like that. It was not a nice grin. Come here, let's go hold hands in the club. It was not a nice grin. Then, Joey boy, I just might get the urge to do a freebie. Just to even the score. You follow what I'm saying? Ratface's eyes dropped again, but Madden didn't miss the slight tremor in the man's hand as it moved another piece. You could be a cop. You could be dead tomorrow, Joey. You got nothing against me. But his eyes raised to see how Madden took the statement. Madden smiled. That's right, Joey, I got nothing against you. If you get me what I need... Otherwise, what I got is a bad taste in my mouth, and I don't like bad tastes. Almost a complete minute passed before the rat nodded. If I had a source, if, they wouldn't come cheap. Two $50 bills suddenly appeared on the backgammon board. Madden slid out of the booth. Have my package for me here in 20 minutes. 20? You heard, Joey. Look, Ratface stood. He was taller than Madden had thought, but as lean as a skeleton. Look, I mean, twenty minutes. I'm not sure that I can. Madden smiled his nasty smile. Okay, Joey, you got a half hour. No more, not a second more. Thirty minutes from now, if you're not back here with the merchandise, I figure you've skipped with my bills. From that time on, you can count the number of hours you got left to you in this life. The slight tremor Madden had noticed before had graduated into a full-fledged shudder. He couldn't help but notice the way the two fifties were fluttering in the front of his face. Look, you, you hold on to these. I'll collect when I... No sale, Joey. You pocket them. Now, I don't want any money passing hands when you bring me my package, wrapped in a plain paper bag. After all, he grinned coldly, you might be trying to do me in. Huh? How do I know, Joey? You might be a cop. Twenty-five minutes later, Madden was sipping his second scotch when Ratface came back into the bar. He didn't look at Madden as he took a stool two down from Madden's own. Madden drained the scotch, then stood. Then his fingers closed around the brown paper bag which the nervous skeleton had placed on the stool between them. See you around, Joey, he said. As Madden left the bar, he wondered whether he would. He didn't wonder long. It wasn't all that important. It was Saturday night, and still early, according to the city's customs, he was on the streets. And on those streets, there were others. End of chapter 12. (laughs) Whoa. That was incredible. That is hands down my favorite chapter of this book. Me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it was a different fucking book. Joey 
Rat face marbles. And marbles is short for something. It's like marbaloni or something. And, and Marbalina. Marblestein. <laughs> we changed it at the border when we got here. Staten Island. I pronounced it and they said, marbles it is, kid. <laughs> or even better, it's like, why do they call him marbles? Because he plays marbles. Like, where do you get that no, nickname? No, Where's his mythology? He's backgammon, though, so we're trying to change the name, but it's sort of a legal battle. <laughs> An illegal battle. It's a tough thing. He 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 he's been playing backgammon for years, but he thinks it's marbles. Uh, we don't have the heart <laughs> to tell him. Hey, I love marbles. Yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> I love marbles. I love marbles. It's backgammon, Joey. It's still backgammon. So he's got bullets. Um, this is unprecedented. I think we should read the next chapter. These are two very short chapters. Are you ready for a double feature today? I hope and pray the next chapter is as fun as that one was. Oh, man. All right. Here comes chapter 13. His pale white face was gaunt and pockmarked, his black hair combed back into a ponytail. As he sat in the apartment lobby, his eyes were watchful, unaware that other eyes were watching his own. Twice now he had let potential victims pass, the first man looking as if he weighed about 260 and could break into small bits both the switchblade knife he had in his pocket as well as himself. Sure enough, the guy proved he was a heavy athlete by not giving the elevator a second glance but taking the stairs to their right two at a time. He didn't stop at the second floor either. Then came the woman, young and carrying two suitcases. She might have been an easy target if it hadn't been for the mean-looking man who rushed through the door after she opened it. The two of them weren't together, but he had no liking to try, not while the man was there. And he, the man, went into the elevator with the woman, looking at the bench where he sat as if amused, as if daring him to try something. I can't lose the image of a man trying to break a knife with his hands. Well, you should let go of it, man. You gotta move on I, with your life. That must be such a painful fucking thing to do. That's how manly that guy is, though. He's got the strength of a pussy. <laughs> that guy's got one stone-cold vagina. <laughs> Hell, he didn't need to take any dares. All he had to do was wait. The silly bastards don't challenge you when you come in behind them, opening their precious front door locks with their precious keys. And later, if you select the right target, you don't get challenged then either. You get paid. Sometimes more, sometimes less. But whatever you got, it was pretty good pay for doing nothing but sitting on your butt and waiting. Tonight, though, he felt a little uneasy. He didn't know why, but he did. But hell, he'd worked this area for weeks and there hadn't been any trouble, and there was no reason to expect there would be any tonight. Uneasy. Why? Because of the waiting? No. He'd had to wait longer than this before. You had to wait, to sit quietly, minding your own business, until the chicken, the exactly right chicken, came your way. Oh, he called them that. The chickens. And he, of course was the chicken hawk, swooping down on the farmyard and plucking them one by one, night after night. But you had to be careful that the rooster, his term for the fuzz, or for anybody else who might take a hand, wasn't out in the yard, but instead tucked away, far away, out of sight. The front door opened, and the chicken hawk smiled to himself. The man entering was old and tottering. He looked like he was 187 if he was a day. 
but his clothes were good, and the hawk could make out the bulge of the old man's wallet in his left breast pocket. A chicken of veritable gold! Are you guys still there? No, I'm yeah. here. Oh, it just wasn't funny to you. Well, <laughs> I... <laughs> I thought that the, uh, the the sentence "a chicken of veritable gold" with an exclamation point was funny. Nope, apparently, apparently not. not. <laughs> so, you know, that funny, ha ha. Hey, uh, funny, like you miss a hundred percent of the shots you don't take. Know what I'm saying? All right. <laughs> a chicken of veritable gold. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we got one season to this show. <laughs> <laughs> one season feels strong. Yeah, one season. All right. <laughs> All these old farts carried their money on them in wads. They were afraid somebody might break into their pads and make off with what social security allowed them to hide away each month. Old agers worrying about their security when they got still older. Christ, they should realize that it wasn't old chickens who needed money. It was the young hawks. He waited until the old man pushed the elevator button. Then the hawk stood. At the snap of the knife, the chicken turned around so fast he almost tore his own neck off. <laughs> what an image! <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, that was, that was easy. He just he popped his own head off his shoulders by turning around too fast. Hey, chicken! (laughs) Also, let's make sure we see nothing other than a real chicken in this scenario. It's still a New York apartment. It's still a guy with a knife, but it's just a chicken on his way home from work. At the snap of the knife, the chicken turned around so fast, he almost tore his own neck off. His eyes showed fear. It was good. The hawk always felt good when he saw their fear. It stopped them from doing anything crazy. That was part of it. But to be honest with himself, he knew he enjoyed seeing them cringe for its own sake. It was raw power. His power. What do you want? (laughs) (laughs) The old geezer asked. But he knew already what the hawk wanted. His right hand instinctively went to the left breast of his coat. The old chicken thought he could hide his bread with that shaking, spindly old arm. Your money or your life? The hawk sneered. He'd used the line since he first saw it in an old flick about an English or Irish highwayman. He liked it, especially when they already were scared. It was direct. And it was efficient communication. Now, he added. The old man's eyes looked at the sharp tip of the knife, his hands trembling but not moving as ordered. Hey, chicken, your hearing aid out of order or something? I don't like wasting my time. That's good, because you don't have much left to waste. It was the hawk's head which now snapped up. There, on the third or fourth of the stairs, was the man who had come in earlier, the one who'd followed behind the woman with the suitcases. He hadn't noticed before just how big that scar was on the bastard's face. Something else the hawk hadn't seen before. The gun in the man's hand. A hand wrapped in plastic or something. He's he's trying to rob me. 
the old man bleated. I know that, sir, the man with the gun said. The hawk knew he'd had it. He'd been caught with the goods. He considered grabbing the old man and using him as a shield, but it wouldn't work. The pistol looked cocked and ready to fire. From the look on that scarred face, if the hawk tried anything quick, it would be all over. The knife went clack on the lobby floor. He put his hands in the air and stepped slowly toward the gun. Okay, man, it looks like you got... The roar of the pistol interrupted him. He screamed as his hands went up to his face where there was now a wet and gaping hole. His back slamming against the wall as the bench caught him at the inner knees. He sat down hard, his hands coming away from his face just long enough to see the gunman turn to the old chicken. I hope you're all right, sir. I am. Meow. The old man answered. The hawk screamed again as he saw the hole in the pistol barrel swing and stop inches from his eyes. Then his world exploded into a thousand colors, all of which turned into the deadest of black. The woman screamed, trying to defend herself. She was over forty and was a hefty woman, Latin-looking. Her attacker also looked Latin, but he was much younger, in his late teens or early twenties. He wasn't armed, or if he was, he wasn't using a weapon of any kind, only his hands, which were closing tightly around the woman's throat. She was trying her best to beat him off with her pocketbook, but she did not have a quarter of the strength that the boy was using against her. Then suddenly, his hands released her. He seemed as if to fly his feet lifting from the pavement and his body diving wildly to her right. There was a loud crash then. No, two crashes. The first was like the sound of thunder. The second was the attacker's loud collision with a line of trash cans. Her tearful eyes swept to her left. She gasped. There was a man standing there, a pistol in his hand. She could not see his face in the shadows, and somehow she knew she didn't want to, knew that it was a face she should not see. She looked at the still body of the one who had leaped at her from the darkness, and then she looked at the other man, the man who now had turned his back and was walking away from her. Valgate Dios, she called after him. May God bless you. Madden, his gun shoved deep into his raincoat, thought the blessing very appropriate. It was, after all, Sunday morning. End of chapter 13. an entirely different book yeah. and here's the big piece being pulled out of his inner hate narrative yeah yeah we're not hearing his garbage thoughts it's disturbing it makes everything before these last two chapters sort of the like the batman begins of joe madden and now we're into his established vigilante lifestyle this is the act you know we were talking about the like the science of action movies and whatnot this honors the science a little bit better it was cute it was funny it was it was like it was childish in its attempt to be cool <laughs> yeah. and, yeah. and, and I, that i found that very charming but because we're carrying 
11 chapters of such harsh hate rhetoric. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That I don't know how to consolidate what, what has just happened and what we, what we had to carry into it. Yeah, and we're not really free of it. We're, we'll never be free of the previous 11 chapters, and I can't imagine we're not going to go back into his head real soon. Yeah, I'd give my left nut for the book to stay this way. Oh, keep the right one, though. That's a nice one. I'm no, nobody gets my yeah, right nut. Yeah. All right, uh, Squatch Notch, Dolly, uh, Joey Marbles here, having a lovely <laughs> day with you both, and uh, very excited for our new endeavor uh, into the world of hobbies. So we've got uh, kayaking, uh, baking, and general snow walking. Just walking. It's just walking. <laughs> Love you both, Love you, buddy. Too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye to you. And also with you. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Vigilante Book Club. If you enjoyed your time with us, come back next week and bring a friend. If you don't have friends, we'll be your friends. If you didn't enjoy us, your heart is ice, and that's why you don't have friends. Either way, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Club Vigilante or email us at vigilantebookclub at gmail.com.